0: The deity of Jesus Christ, discussions about Jesus. This was on my mind this morning when I woke up, probably due to recent as well as years ago conversations, mainly through social media, actually all through social media. In-person conversations I've had typically don't address the subject of Jesus and I've spent time and enjoyed being with people of various faiths, um, various denominations of Christians, Jews, and Muslims. The ones whom I've spent time with are people whose character and friendship I respect. Our beliefs didn't affect our relationship with one another. There was a mutual respect and none of us tried to convince the other of anything different about our different personal beliefs. Was this right or wrong to be this way? Years ago, I think we were all taught that faith was a personal choice and along with politics, those topics should always be avoided. Faith being a personal choice is an absolute truth, but should it be avoided? I don't think it should be avoided if there is a willingness or a curiosity to understand the other view. But it should be avoided if there is a motive to force a belief on someone else. With the attitude of, I'm right, you're wrong. That's not a loving conversation. Instead, it's a self centered approach. We may each have strong beliefs because of many reasons. We grew up in a community, that was the first thing we knew, or we had a religious education, years of having, of hearing the religious doctrine, or our family was a devout pick a religion, any religion, person, and would be upset if we went against that belief. Those are those are just some of the thoughts that came to mind, I'm sure there are many more reasons. I understand why older generations enforce what they hold as strong belief because they believe they are correct and others are wrong and they have the responsibility to raise their children accordingly. That's what happens when a belief is strong for someone and There's really nothing wrong with that. But at some point in a child's life, that belief will get questioned by those with different beliefs. And that's why I'm writing this article. Conversations of differing opinions are beneficial because it gives us the opportunity to exchange ideas, think for ourselves, and realize our level of knowledge, understanding, and faith in our own personal belief it causes us to look deeper into our own beliefs and most importantly grow it allows us to know what is truly in our hearts it's an opportunity to pray to god for wisdom and understanding and get closer to god so on this article i will talk about the deity of jesus Uh, this is the primary separation of beliefs who is jesus yes this is a doctrinal belief, but it is more important than tradition, customs, or anything related to a spe- specific religious doctrine. As written in the Bible, this belief matters most of all. If you're not sure about trusting the Bible, I put a link in the article that I wrote, and that can be found at www.a nnm2705.com And there's links to a lot of different scripture in here as well. Okay, so why does this matter, how we believe about Jesus or what we believe about Jesus? The reason it matters is because our belief will have eternal consequences for each of us personally. So the following statements uh, are revealing who Jesus is. Jesus is, according to the Bible, or using the Bible as the reference source. So there's like 12 points. Number one, Jesus was involved in the creation of the heavens and the earth. This is an interesting find to me because I grew up Christian and didn't learn Hebrew, but now with the translation ability from many translated versions of the Bible, we can find more clarity with the original words used in Scripture. I found this resource, um, through studying and through other videos, um, called blueletterbible.org. So it's www.blueletterbible.org, b-l-u-e-l-e-t-t-e-r-b-i-b-l-e.org. So when there's a verse that's confusing, it's a helpful to reference this source because some concepts do get lost in translation. If I didn't reference this, I wouldn't know that in some scripture where it says God, the original word, Eloha, is singular, but in other scripture, the original Hebrew word is Elohim, and I may be mispronouncing this, but that's plural. So Genesis 1.1 or Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 is the plural version. You I gave a link to the Blue Letter Bible and click on Strong's column and that gives you a different uh, additional information. I need to clarify here that I don't believe in multiple gods. There is only one God, but there is this relationship between God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit that is challenging to explain or comprehend. The best way that I personally found to explain this unity is to compare it with something physical that we can see, a material comparison, like a three-in-one coat. The outer waterproof shell that zips into an insulated layer and then there's this removable fleece liner. Each piece can function independently or together as one. In Genesis One verse 2 the Holy Spirit or God's Spirit is the Hebrew word Ruah is present and this is at the very beginning in creation Jesus was with God before the world began and this is you can find this in John 17 verses 1 through 5 the second point Jesus existed before Abraham and Jesus told this to the Jews That's found in John, chapter 8, verse 58. The third point about Jesus is Jesus is the Messiah, which means Christ. And that's why we get Jesus Christ. Christ means Messiah. Jesus is the Anointed One, the Son of God, and is God too. And that reference is in John 1, verse 18 where it clarifies and says Jesus is God. In Psalm 110, verse 1, David says, The Lord, Jehovah, says to my Lord, Adonai, and Jesus points this out to the Pharisees in Matthew 22, verses 41 through 45, when they say, The Messiah is the son of David, and Jesus responds with the quote from Psalm 110, verse 1, asking, Why would David call his son, Lord? This also came about when Jesus was talking with the disciples and asked them who he thought the, quote, son of man is. Peter replied, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus told Peter the only way he understood this was from revelation by the Father. And then there are one, two, three, four, five, six—six six different references. And I used Matthew and John um, for the references because both of those were the original disciples. So both of those who wrote the gospels witnessed Jesus firsthand and would be able to tell these things. So that's why I use those references. Okay, then point number four. Jesus came to fulfill what the prophets foretold. There are many, many more references, but I just honestly ran out of time in uh, referencing all of them. But there is so much in scripture. Jesus actually said he didn't come to change anything. He just came to fulfill what the prophets had foretold. And there are many circumstances or events that happened that specifically our reference to the Old Testament. Um, Maybe I'll do a separate um, writing on that, but one of them is in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Number five, God is the Father of Jesus, but Jesus has the authority of judging who will enter heaven, as does God too. Um, That's found in Matthew 7, verses 21 and 22. Jesus gives eternal life just as God gives eternal life also. And there are four or five different references um, to where Jesus said that he gives eternal life. And then the connection between God and Jesus, which I think is really hard for a lot of people to comprehend because no one wants to say that um, they believe in multiple gods. So. That's why I think the relationship is something that's important to explore and to get comfortable with or not comfortable with if you don't believe it. But I have, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five different references um, that it's within John 5, John 12, John 14, John 16, there's a couple different places in John 14 that explain this connection between Jesus and God. And so I think it's um, important to comprehend that. Uh, number six, denying Jesus will exclude us from living in eternity with God. That's a big deal if if it all depends on our, um and you know if believing in Jesus you know if we deny Jesus it is very clear that we will not be living in eternity with God and that can be found in Matthew 10 verse 32. number seven Jesus is God's chosen servant Jesus fulfilled the prophecy in Isaiah 14. 4- 42 verses 1 through 4 this was explained in Matthew 12 verses 13 through 21 that's another example where Jesus said you know he he was here to fulfill the prophecies and that's one of the prophecies that he fulfilled number eight Jesus considers those who do the will of God as his brothers and sisters so anyone who is obedient to God is brother and sister to Jesus and Jesus is the Son of God. So that can be found in Matthew 12 verses 46 through 50. We are part of God's family, his children. Number nine, God told people Jesus was his son. This one I think is really important too because when it's written in the Bible that God actually told people Several people were witnesses and saw this and heard this. Not saw it, I guess heard it. Um, But when God is telling people that Jesus is his son, that's pretty important. So Jesus took three disciples with him to a high mountain where they witnessed the heavenly splendor of Jesus. That was called the transfiguration or transformation, transfiguration, I think it was. Um, They saw Moses and Elijah and heard God speaking, saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. This also happened when Jesus was baptized too. So I have three different references Um, and I actually went to the book of Mark too. But Matthew 17 verses 1 through 13, John 12 verses 27 through 36 and Mark 1 verses 9 through 11. Those are all places where you can find where God told people Jesus was his son. Number 10, God gave, or Jesus gave his life as a ransom for many. That's found in Matthew 20, verse 28. Jesus will return. This is number 11, point number 11. Jesus will return. Jesus replied to those who were going to crucify him. And asked him if he was the Messiah, the Son of God. And his response was, From From now on you will see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. That's Matthew twenty-six, verse sixty-four. Jesus remained silent during much of the questioning because if he spoke, he may not or he may not have been killed and if he wasn't killed or crucified, he wouldn't have obeyed the Father, and the ransom wouldn't have been paid. So people would not have been saved or have eternal life with God as immortal beings. No person is righteous enough to be in the presence of God. We are not perfect, and perfect is required to be in the presence of holy, That is why Jesus was the only one, because he's the only perfect one, who could pay the ransom for our lives. The only thing that Jesus could say at that point is that there would be a return. The return is what we await. So Jesus is saying he's returning. He said it to uh, those who were going to crucify him. It was also written, and documented in Revelation, Revelation 22, verses 12 through 20. And then number 12, Jesus will rule when he returns. Jesus died and resurrected three days later and then visited people. Jesus' message to the original eleven dipo- disciples after his resurrection was, this is His quote." the quote from the Bible, verses 16 through 20. And that's a summary of a lot of different scripture that explains who Jesus is, who he said he was, who others witnessed um, testimony from others about who he is. So hopefully that clears up what we believe about Jesus, or at least we have a source that we can go to that will show the statements about Jesus. So I hope that was helpful to you. And if it was, or if you find this to be beneficial for someone else, please share it. Thank you.